my Govanin, and so loud to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and this is What Would Arwen Do on every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. That amazing music that you are hearing in the background is the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore from the Fellowship of the Ring, the first film in the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings. Welcome. It is Tuesday, November 26th, two days before the day of celebration of Thanksgiving for all the wonderful things that we enjoy here in America. It is actually an American holiday, and it all it all it is also the very first day of Hanukkah. So we want to wish a special um, celebration day to our friends who are beginning to celebrate Hanukkah on Thursday. So lots of celebration times going on, which we elves absolutely love to celebrate just about anything. <clears throat> and we're going to be celebrating some things today. And I have a special in-studio guest. In fact, I'm going to invite him into the conversation right now to say hello. Faisal Chaibani. Chabani. Well, thanks for having me here. You're welcome. Um, I almost wanted to interrupt you there and s- to say that you actually don't celebrate as much as we dwarves do. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That would definitely be debatable. I think it's a little different type of celebrating, though. Okay. Maybe <laughs> we can find that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the dwarves are definitely right up there. Oh, they have a tendency to uh, drink so much to where they fall off of the table, mm-hmm. and the elves tend to drink so much that they dance on the table. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I typically, I typically get dancing, but I fall down. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I guess I I guess I'd, I party like both. Wonderful. So are you looking forward to the next Hobbit movie coming out? You know what? It's actually coming out on my birthday. <gasps> December 13th? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. That was really special of them to have it premiere on your birthday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My friends are planning to take me out um, for the midnight premiering. <gasps> midnight shows are so much fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, I've been to a couple. Uh, I went to the midnight show for the Two Towers. I, I didn't discover the Fellowship of the Ring until like the spring after the movie came out. And that was really fun. It was over at the Big Newport. That's a great place to go to a midnight show. You guys might want to think about going over there, and it's really close. Okay. And, they, of course, that is the biggest screen west of the Mississippi. Wow. Is that IMAX? That. Uh, no, it's not IMAX, but they do have 3D. It'll probably be in 3D, but it's the, it's the biggest regular screen that's west of the Mississippi. Okay. Now, but you guys are maybe going to go see it in IMAX 3D. Well, um, I don't know. I guess. It, yeah, wow, that would be cool too. You yeah. might have to go up to the spectrum for that, but it'd be well worth the trip. In fact, there will probably be a big line party for the Hobbit uh, that will start forming, maybe even the day before, um, at the at the spectrum. Usually, it's hosted by Torn, the One Ring dot net, and. Um, they always have like lots of special giveaways that all the promoters do and all that kind of fun stuff. As long as we dress up, that's my only requirement. Yeah, because that's what we did last year, and ah. it actually got us in for free. Really? It got me. It got me in for free. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Where did you go? Did you go to a midnight show? Yeah, um, yeah, it was the midnight show. Um, for, uh, at the Spectrum, and it was also uh, it was after basically it's kind of the same thing as what's going to happen this year. We I had a birthday party because it was on my birthday. I think it came out on the thirteenth last year too. Was it on the thirteenth? I think so. I may was be mistaken. It was, maybe, it was you know maybe it was the twelfth. Maybe it was the twelfth. Yeah, it was the twelfth. I think. It but was. 
Yeah. But um, anyway, after the party, they, they took me over. They surprised me, took me over to the um, – well, they, they told me, I mean, so I could have time to get dressed. Uh, I wore this uh, wore this great costume. I went barefoot. We went running cool. into the – all over the spectrum. And, um, yeah, we got <laughs> Did in. Did you and have a long beard and the, all that good stuff? Like I had the long stuff? hair. I didn't okay. have the long beard because I was trying to be a hobbit. So uh, you two look something like a hobbit. Do you, but do you identify a little more with dwarves or – um, or do you think you're more hobbitish? See, I, I think I look more like a dwarf. Not because I'm short. Because <laughs> I'm not short. <laughs> but, you do. You have those very masculine kind of features like a oh, dwarf does. Thank which you. Which is nice. Okay. I shouldn't have shaved my beard. I just I just shaved like two I days know. ago. It was super long. Yeah. If you just put on a little uh, armor or something, the girls would be falling all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> yeah. You could probably sign some autographs and everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, should th- you should think about doing that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in case you are just tuning in, this is What Would Arwen Do? This is the show where we celebrate the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and also his contemporaries. It is the show where I ask, if a Middle-earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, and her community? Also, the creatures that we share this planet with both preserving them and protecting them as the stewards that we have been gifted to be. So I'm excited. Um, so many wonderful things. If I would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact me, you can reach me by email at askanelf at yahoo.com. And if you'd like to hear... If you um, know somebody that maybe wants to tune into the show or might be interested in any of these shows, most of the shows are available on podcast through our website at www.kuci.org. And you can go to our homepage, go to archives, scroll down to podcasts, and look for What Would Arwen Do? And today I'm very excited, if all goes well, which I am, I'm an elf, so I'm ever optimistic, at about 4.20 Pacific Time, I will be having a special call-in guest, Jean Bauer, who is the founder and uh, representative of Farm Sanctuary, an animal rescue organization. They're based primarily in New York and I believe in Boston somewhere, but they also have a lovely ranch uh, farm here in Southern California in Acton, which is just a little ways north And they also are the folks who have um, brought to us the Adopt a Turkey program, where we can be encouraged, instead of eating turkeys, to adopt them. And some people think, well, why would I want to adopt a turkey? And that's primarily, I think, for a number of reasons. One of those being that we don't realize what turkeys are. We are so far removed from our food. Um, There's someone, and I wish lately I could remember who this quote is from, but he said, if slaughterhouses all had glass walls, there would be no slaughterhouses. So I like to just kind of ask my friends that uh, if they were over at someone's house and they were there for lunch and it was lunchtime rolled around and the person said, oh, how would you like some chicken for lunch? 
And you might say, oh, that would be great. And then your host said, okay, well, would you go out in the yard and grab one of those chickens? I need for you to break its neck. And then we're going to boil some water and you're going to plunge it in there. Oh, first you have to take out all of the insides and, you know, all the blood and all the inside parts. Then you need to plunge it into the water and pull all of the feathers off. Oh, but first, when you first break its neck, it may flop around for a while first. Um, Then, you know, just kind of rip it open, take out the inside, stick it in the water, get all the feathers off, and then bring it to me and I'll be happy to pop it in the oven and we'll have some nice roast chicken. Or we could have a great brown rice casserole. And I bet every person I know would say, you know, today I think a brown rice casserole sounds wonderful. If we actually had to go out and kill the animals that we want to eat for hamburgers, for chicken burgers, for our fried chicken dinner, um, I bet we would make, very many of us would make different food choices. And, excuse me, um, and the other part of that is, I mean, it's not just, okay, well, you know, somebody else can go and do the dirty work so I can have my chicken burger, but we also don't realize that animals, excuse me, animals have um, personalities, Chickens and turkeys like to roam in groups. They're very social. They talk to each other. Um, The way that factory farms are set up, you will never see chickens or turkeys behaving like that out in the wild. They're not going to go all crowd themselves into a tiny little place where they can't move and peck each other's feathers out. That is something that an environment that we have created for them. Um, because we just want to have our turkey burgers. And some people would say, well, you know, back in the old days, you know, people had to, it kept people from starving. And the truth is that nowadays, there's nobody really who has to go out and kill an animal in order to eat, at least not here in America. And so it's simply a matter of doing what we want to do just because we want to. And the other thing is that I think people are unaware or don't want to know about all of the land mass of the earth that is being converted from natural habitat into commercial farms and dairy farms and uh, for raising of beef. Um, Commercial farms, beef farms especially, are the number one contributor to uh, global warming through through the uh, gases that are released <clears throat> through the excrement. And a lot of us, if someone were to say, well, what if they just put in a dairy farm or a, um, you know, a beef farm in, right next door to you? That's the, will be the edge of their property. How many of us would want to live next door to that and have the stench of all that excrement and it's going into the water table? But we feel like, well, it's okay as long as it's in somebody else's <laughs> backyard. So <clears throat> my passion is to just um, hopefully encourage you, inspire you to be mindful. You know, elves are all into mindfulness about doing what we do with intention, um, not just because that's what we've always done, and thinking about your food food choices in a mindful way and about especially the days that we celebrate things. Here it is, Thanksgiving is coming up, and it's the day when we celebrate being thankful. It's the day we spend with friends and family. And uh, a few years ago, I had a wonderful co-host. Did you ever hear the show when Milo the Hobbit was on? I haven't. 
he's been gone a little while. I still have hope that he will be coming back uh, with us. But um, I, it was my, the first year that I talked to people about the Adopt a Turkey program. And he said, well, this year I'm going to try an experiment, and which I, I love it, experiments. Um, and he said, I'm going to go to Turkey, you know, to the Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm going to try, I'm not going to have the turkey, I'll have everything else. And he came back and did a little Hobbit adventure report and said, you know what, I had so much food, I was so full, I loved every bit of it, I didn't feel like I missed out on anything by not having the turkey part. And he said, and I think I actually probably felt better. Um, he said, I had all these side dishes, and I had room for dessert. He said, I didn't miss, mix, miss the turkey one bit. And he said, I think I'm going to continue this tradition after this. And I think a lot of times we just were conditioned to like that flavor. And we're conditioned, you know, because we grew up with the turkey and the smells and all of those things. But I think we can mm, evolve, if the, I can use that word a little bit, to where we can discover new tastes and smells that we like. So, I'm, sh- I'm sure all of us can do without the tryptophan food killer that comes after <laughs> a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, so it's like everybody's falling asleep, and it's not just from the wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's also a day to celebrate. And so as much as I uh, desire to um, encourage you to be mindful about your food choices and to think them through and see what's good not only for you, but for the animals, for the planet, for the other people that live in other parts of the world uh, where these um, commercial farms are. Um, I also want to encourage you to enjoy your day absolutely to the fullest. Whatever you find before you on Thanksgiving Day, whether you're with friends or family or even just at home, um, I think the most important thing is that we receive it with gratitude from the earth who is provided it for us from our friends and family that prepare the foods and make the special times that we love to remember so that's that's the main thing and be thinking about it you know it's like maybe not this year maybe next year but there's some little things that you can do along the way as well so do you you ever have a vegetarian day or are you vegetarian or i'm not a vegetarian um actually when you were describing that scene of slaughtering the chicken i was actually getting hungry (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding you could go out and get grab a chicken and break its neck yeah, I, I, I've hunted before, actually, um, in the Midwest. I have some family. Um, I don't do it regularly. I've, I I guess I don't get grossed out from it. I don't get repulsed from it. Um, but one thing that I wanted to chime in on is um, I once wrote this article for the new university um, talking about the meat industry, and I encourage people who, who – I acknowledge that it's difficult to break our addiction to, to meat, um, but I encourage people to, to seek out organic meat – to support your local farmers because at least those options allow the uh, the animals to live more of a natural lifestyle. They get to roam free. Um, you know, you get to really appreciate the sacrifice they're making Absolutely. for you to enjoy your meal. Right. And I can tell you something about that in just a moment. I believe our guest is on the line. I'm going to uh, play a little Hobbit music, and we will be right back. This is KCI in Irvine. <laughs> was 
was the Academy Award-winning music from the Fellowship of the Ring that was concerning Hobbits. And, of course, uh, the Hobbit movie is coming out in just about three weeks and two days. December 13th. Yes, yeah, three weeks from Thursday. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And today... Um, I just, this last weekend, if you've been listening the last few weeks, I've been playing from the Hobbit soundtrack, which is wonderful. And this weekend, I got the new extended Hobbit that has extra tracks. So, unfortunately, the Blue and Gold Report will not be on today. Um, they're taking a little break. So, during the 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock hour, if you want to stay tuned, we'll be hearing some wonderful Hobbit music and some readings from J.R.R. Tolkien and good uh, Middle-earth fun during that hour. So this hour, though, we are celebrating in just two days, Thanksgiving, the day that our nation sets aside to be grateful for all of the wonderful things that we enjoy from the earth and uh, from each other with our family and friends. And you know that I am a passionate elf about um, the creatures that we share this planet with, not only the animals, but also the people. And I believe that by adopting a plant-based diet, we actually are being kinder not only to the animals, but also to each other, especially to uh, many of the people who have to live in the areas where these factory farms are and who have to work in the slaughterhouses and... Um, and the chicken farms, and we can fi- we can find other things for them to do. Just as with everything else in life, as progress goes on, the people who used to work on the railroads, you know, we found other things for them to do. We're very resourceful in that way, we Americans are. So my very special guest today, I'm so excited, is Jean Bauer, the, fo- the founder of Farm Sanctuary. And they have a wonderful website that is very educational, has all kinds of not only recipes, but uh, information to educate yourself and your friends about um, the creatures that we share the planet with and how we can adopt a more compassionate uh, behavior toward them. Their website is www.farmsanctuary.org. And my friends over there are the ones who... um, um, have started this wonderful Adopt a Turkey program where every year, instead of eating a turkey, you can actually adopt a turkey and find a home for it. And uh, I'm hoping Jean is going to share with us some reasons why we would want to even adopt a turkey. So um, I'm just going to bring Jean into the conversation. Jean, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? I, I can. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to call us. Uh, you're o- all the way over in New York, is that right? Well, I'm actually in the Washington, D.C. area, but oh. our farm is in upstate New York, and we also have a couple of farms in California, yes. one, in the, one in the northern part of the state and one in Acton, which is just north of Los Angeles. I love Acton. I used to... Um, belong to the Thousand Trails Reserve out there and would go out there. They have wonderful cottonwood trees. So there's some areas out there that is kind of like just being on the sh- in the Shire. And <laughs> I don't know if your farm is like that, but uh, there are areas of Acton that are just lovely. Yes, it's beautiful out there. And we have a sanctuary where we take care of animals, 
you know, all, all animals that would have been killed and eaten. You know, we take care of cows and pigs and chickens and turkeys. And once they come to Farm Sanctuary, they're our friends, not our food. Mm-hmm. So uh, how large is the farm at, uh, in, by Acton? I'm just curious. Uh, it's, it's 26 acres. Uh-huh. It is, um, and we've been there for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And we also do tours and encourage people to come and visit. A couple weeks ago, we had our big celebration for the turkeys. So uh-huh. we feed turkeys instead of eating them. So we turn the table to Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Oh, I love! Oh, you feed the turkeys. <laughs> I love that. That's right. I remember that. Now, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the Adopt a Turkey program and why? Why would someone want to adopt a turkey? I feel like sometimes turkeys get kind of a bad rap because, you know, they aren't as, as adorable as little puppies or kittens, but they're very sociable creatures. I know um, there's a place I used to go uh, up. Uh, by Santa Barbara, and um, they had uh, wild turkeys, and these wild turkeys would come in in kind of like a little flock, and they were just adorable to watch, and the way they interacted with each other, and um, I mean, and they were just flying around out in the wild, and I thought, that's the way turkeys should be acting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, turkeys are very friendly, and, you know, at our farm, you go out to the barnyard, and the turkeys will come up to you, they'll check you out, Um, some of them are are very outgoing and friendly, Uh Uh, you know, a number of them, if if you sit down, they will actually come up and cuddle with you, they might even sit on your lap, so, (laughs) they're you know, they're very curious and good-natured and very friendly. Yes, well, I think people think, oh, you know, cuddle with a turkey... Feathers are wonderful. I mean, I think people think about, oh, well, you know, if they have a little parakeet or a little cockatiel, well, those are birds and they have little feathers. We like to cuddle up with those little guys. At uh, the church where I attend on the day where they have the blessing of the animals, which is the first Sunday in October, um, you know, people brought their dogs and their cats and some kids brought their fish. And this one couple brought their two chickens. And the yeah, they were these big, gorgeous red hens, and um, they were so tame. Everybody was wanted to hold them, and they were just you know they were just happy to be passed around. <laughs> you know, well, you know, more and more people are getting to know chickens and turkeys and pigs and cows and other farm animals, and and once you get to know them as individuals, the idea of eating them becomes less less you know. Less, less, less in your mind because right. they're animals just like cats and dogs. They have feelings, they have personalities, and they want to live. You know, they they experience pleasure and pain and and fear and joy just like all other animals and like people. Right, and um, so I know that this is the time of the year that you know that millions of turkeys are raised for you know the Thanksgiving feast. Could you just educate our listeners a little bit about what that means? I mean, it's not like in the old days where there were turkey farms even and they were their turkeys were just out running around and you know there it's a very different scenario now uh, getting that turkey to the grocery store and onto your table that that is very true, and you know modern turkeys have been so genetically altered that they can't even reproduce naturally anymore. So all commercial turkeys are products of artificial insemination. And they grow so big and so fast that their hearts and lungs have a hard time supporting their growth rate. They're so heavy, their legs have a hard time supporting their unwieldy bodies. And so these are animals that don't have good lives. And the way they live is they're crowded in these factory farm warehouses. 
where they're not allowed to go out and run in the grass and enjoy the outdoors and enjoy the sun and, and live like animals would want to live. They're crowded in these filthy factory farm warehouses where they can barely move. They're packed so tightly that they would be driven to aggressive uh, pecking of each other. Mm-hmm. So what the industry does to prevent the harm that comes from that is they actually cut off parts of their beaks because these birds are de-beaked. And, and that's another, you know, inhumane practice that is commonplace on today's turkey farm. Right. Now, what happens, so when they cut off part of the turkey's beak, how does the turkey even eat? Well, at these factory farms, they have food in these troughs. So it's easy. They can just stick their you know, mouth in the trough and get a, a mouthful of food. Mm. In nature and in a natural environment, the turkey has a very pointed beak and explores the world with their beak, and they can peck at little, you know, small things, mm-hmm. you know, seeds and things like that in the grass. And uh, But they couldn't eat that way with these beaked conditions. So, But in the factory farm, they have these, you know, feed troughs that are, plentiful because the industry wants these birds to keep eating and to keep growing and to grow as fast as possible. So that's how they're able to eat. And the entire beak is not removed. About a third of the beak is removed. Uh, so they are still able to, to eat. Although sometimes when they de-beak them, it's very, very painful and uh, it causes the birds not to eat because it hurts so much. And, and some of them die as a result. Um, so that's uh, another you know, just a painful practice that is is commonplace today yes. well and um i my understanding is that very often they don't even use any anesthetic or anything they you know it's, they, it, it's very that's right. painful for them. they never use painkillers I and mean, this is just done uh as a matter of course and providing painkillers would would cost a little bit more money would take a little bit more time and for the factory farm time is money and they want to do this as quickly as they can and the animals are not seen as living feeling creatures Right. And that's really the crux of the problem. They're they're just seen as commodities. And so they're de-beaked and, and other cruel things are done to them. And the animal suffering is not even considered by the industry. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned about the um, they're bred to gain weight fast and that, you know, they have weak hearts. And I've heard that a lot of times they gain weight so fast that their little legs just break because they can't support their weight. And it was interesting because I printed out this uh, article um, about the presidential turkeys. And it uh, talks about two um, turkeys to be pardoned by President Obama. Uh, this was on um, examiner.com on the 15th of November. And uh, and I thought, you know, how ironic that these two presidential turkeys are pardoned, and yet, you know, then we go out and kill a bunch of other turkeys because we want to have turkey dinner. But uh, they were talking a little bit about the, um, you know, the the tradition of doing it, and uh, but the um, uh, Burkell um, says that he's the guy that's um, in charge of this. Uh, this a pair of Russo Rosu County turkeys will be in the national spotlight on the day before Thanksgiving. President Barack Obama will pardon the lucky birds, and um, so in February he says, "I was elected NACI, National Turkey Federation chairman, and one of the duties of the chairman is to present the national." Thanksgiving turkey to the White House and John Burkle, and he's a North Minnesota turkey grower. Um, he says, you know, there'll be a lot of music and all this, but he says, despite the pardon, 
The turkeys are bred to gain weight fast, and they have weak hearts. So even with the pardon, they're probably only looking at a year, maybe two, of living the high life. So there it is, right? Even in the you know, even the presidential turkeys, you know, they're just、um, we breed. We've like you said, they've been genetically altered, you know, for the fast, you know, fast growth. Um, so that the you know they don't have the turkey feather things in them anymore, and we just treat them like they're no longer turkeys; they're commodities. You know? Exactly, and you know when when the turkeys come to farm sanctuary, we've had them live a lot longer than that. And one of the reasons is that we just provide them with better care. We also feed them in a way that is less likely to cause them to grow so fast. So we give them high fiber diets, for example,、mm-hmm. uh, that fill them up but do not. Uh, have a lot of calories so that they do not put on weight as quickly as they p- would put it on in a commercial farm. And these turkeys that are going to be pardoned by the president,、um, you know, that whole procedure is orchestrated by the National Turkey Federation with the idea of you know drawing people's attention to turkeys. So those turkeys will just go to another farm、uh, that uses the, the practices of the industry and will be、right. they'll feed them in a way that is not necessarily that healthy for them. Yes,、um, but we would love it if those turkeys could come to farm sanctuary and they could live a longer life. And we've reached out to、uh, the people involved, and we've encouraged them to let them come to farm sanctuary. Oh, but so, but so far they haven't been willing to do that. You know, maybe they have to be、um, uh, guarded because they're <laughs> presidential. What, what do you think, Faisal? Yeah, there's a very high profile for sure. You know, but it's it's really pretty amazing though that the National Turkey Federation has. You know, created this national、uh, pardoning, which and it is so ironic. You know,、right. as you mentioned that, you know, every year we kill forty-six million turkeys for Thanksgiving. So that's what you know the, the vast majority of turkeys, and they have lived terrible lives. Yes, and there are these two that are symbolically pardoned. Right, and and that sort of speaks to our better instincts, to this idea that you know we can forgive, or, or in the case of turkeys, we really. They don't need to be forgiven. They just need to be shown mercy by、right. us and allowed to live. Right. And and、um, so that's a, a good instinct to, to show mercy and to not kill them. But unfortunately, there are millions that that you know have already been killed and that have suffered terribly. And、uh, but you know with this、uh, national presidential pardoning, maybe it's a chance for people to think about these birds and、yeah. recognize that they're living, feeling creatures who have feeling. And why why is it merciful to pardon them, but The rest of them we want to have on our tables when we have so much other food that we can enjoy without having to、uh, contribute to all of that、uh, cruelty and suffering, not only to the animals but also to the areas that these that these commercial farms are in. I mean, who would want to live、um, by these commercial farms? Whether it's turkeys, you know, pork, beef,、uh, we can maybe get into a little bit. Um, about that, I, I wanted to let you know I have with me an intern today,、uh, a, a DJ in training, Faisal Chabani, and、uh, I don't know if Faisal, have you? Are you familiar with、uh, Farm Sanctuary or?、Um, just from what I've heard today. Yeah. Do you have any questions for Jean? Are you?、Um, I did. I did have a comment.、Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say that there's one thing that big beef and big meat.、Um, Fails to realize. I don't know if they fail to realize or they just don't care. And that's that when you kind of induce stress in these animals, there are physiological、um, uh, things that happen that I don't think are necessarily healthy for people to consume. So I mean, just you know, mass producing meat on that scale in a in a in a practice that's not very、um, 
humane right. is not sustainable. Yeah. Doesn't it release a certain kind of hormone or something into Cortisol. the animals? Yeah. Which is, I, I think, kind of why, like with the kosher uh, foods, it's, you know, it's a, a little different mm-hmm. practice, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So I think they, I think they slaughter the animal uh, differently mm-hmm. with kosher food. Yeah. Um, so, Gene, a farm sanctuary. So um, right now, of course, the, the focus is, is on turkeys. Is it? Just in case people are interested in um, adopting a turkey, can they adopt a turkey any time during the year? Uh, I mean, can they still adopt a, a turkey? And what what does that mean, actually, to adopt a turkey? You're not going to send it to their house, right? That's right. <laughs> um, people can sponsor turkey who lives at Farm Sanctuary. And so this time of year is when we really focus on it, just because most people are thinking about eating turkeys, and we wanted to provide an alternative. And for vegetarians, Thanksgiving can be a pretty challenging holiday. You know, because, you know, you go to these dinners and the center of the table has this body of a dead bird. And that's not something that vegetarians enjoy seeing. No. So we came up with the Adopt a Turkey program. And so you can call 1-888-SPONSOR to sponsor Turkey Who Lives at Farm Sanctuary. Or you can go to our website, which is adoptaturkey.org, to sponsor Turkey Who Lives at Farm Sanctuary. Um, we also do place turkeys in good homes, um, oh. but there are not that many of them out there, as you can imagine. <laughs> so, so far and away, the largest part of the program is the sponsorship program. And when you sponsor turkey at Farm Sanctuary, you get a picture of the turkey that we're taking care of. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people bring that picture to family dinners, and, oh. it's, and they sometimes put it on their um, desk at work. And it's just a way for people to recognize that there are living, feeling animals that are suffering, and that there's another way, and that we can live without causing harm to other animals, and that, you know, these animals can be our friends instead of our food, and that is more compassionate to the animals. It's also better for us, if you look at the way we're eating in this country, um, we're eating in a way that's killing us. Heart disease is the number one killer of, of, of Americans, right. and the risk of that can be seriously lessened by shifting to eating plant foods instead of animal foods. And as you alluded to, these factory farms are terrible for the environment. They're terrible for areas in rural neighborhoods. And uh, so neighbors suffer as well from fly infestations, from filth, from their wells being polluted. Right. And, uh, and this is a bad system for everybody involved. And, I forgot you know, about the flies. We need to see a change. And there, there is starting to be some change, thankfully. Yes. Well, it's interesting. Um, I found a wonderful book recently by Kathy Freston. Um, who's a best-selling author of Quantum Wellness, and her uh, most recent book is Veganist, uh, Lose Weight, Get Healthy, and Change the World. And it's wonderful because there's a a great little uh, profile story of you in uh, Chapter 8, which is the chapter on You Will Reduce Animal Suffering. And uh, I love that she has these uh, stories from people that are working in different areas of, um, you know, just being mindful about what kind of a eating lifestyle that we want to have. And uh, in Chapter 8, it, it you know talks about one of the things is uh, that you will also reduce animal suffering. And I was very moved by uh, your story in here. Do you remember this, this story that you contributed to this? Um, I, I remember speaking with Kathy about it, and mm-hmm. I do know there's a story in it, but I'm not, I don't recall exactly which one it was. Well, there's, there's you know, lots of different uh, right. experiences I've had over the years, and I'm not sure which one. Uh, well, there's a couple there. about um, at hatcheries 
Um, but this, I thought, you know, and I think people don't think about this, this about these things because they just think even about the chickens. And it says here um, in that at egg at hatcheries that hatch egg-laying hens, millions, that's millions, of unwanted male chicks are discarded every year because they're of no economic value. Because I used to every once in a while kind of think, well, with all these hens that, you know, we either eat the hens or they use them for laying chickens. And I thought, but sometimes I'm sure boy chickens have to be born. So what do they do with them? Well, it's terrible. It says they're of no economic value. They don't grow fast enough to be raised profitably for meat and they'll never lay eggs. And it says here that you've seen dumpsters filled with thousands of dead and dying male chicks. That's right. That's right. And (sighs) You know, one of the reasons for that is that you have two distinct breeds of chickens in the poultry industry today. And just like turkeys used for meat have been genetically bred to grow very big and very fast, Mm -hmm. there's a strain of chickens that has been genetically bred to grow twice as big and twice as fast as normal. So those are the ones that are raised to be slaughtered for meat. But the egg-laying chickens have a very different genetic makeup. And the male chicks that are born of these egg-laying breeds don't grow fast enough to be profitable. So, you know, what you described is exactly what happens. They throw them into dumpsters and they grind them up alive. I've actually seen these unwanted chicks thrown into a manure spreader still alive, and they're literally discarded like manure. So this is an industry that has a very, it has a callous disregard for animals and shows no mercy if the animal is not worth anything economically. And, you know, that's bad for the animals, but it really is bad for us to right. to lose our empathy, to harden our hearts to such a degree that we don't think about these animals as living, feeling creatures. And that, that's a, a real social problem, I think. Absolutely. You know, and it's and it's even just one part of the, the problem, you know, even because I tell, I ask people sometimes, well, if you won't do it for yourself, you know, for your own health, and you won't do it for the animals, then do it for the environment. Because you know, do it for the longer, the bigger picture of you know, f- you know, if you have children or grandchildren, don't you want to, there to be some rainforest left? Don't you, you know, do, it, haven't you ever thought about as we're clearing all this land for more and more commercial, especially you know, beef and dairy farms? Um, what is that going to do in the long term to the global, in, you know, environment and climate? I mean, we looked at what happened in America where they cleared the middle of the of the of America and it became the Dust Bowl. Now we're doing it on so much larger scale. Yes, you know? that's absolutely right. And raising animals for food is terribly inefficient. It, it makes a lot more sense to grow grain and for us to eat it directly instead of growing grain and then feeding it to animals and needing to grow tons and tons of grain. And, and that's why rainforests are being cut down and wild areas are being decimated so we can grow these millions and millions of acres of corn and soybean which is then used as animal feed so it's it's terribly inefficient and if if we were eating the grains directly we would need about one-tenth as much space and it's a a lot more uh, efficient and so you know the irony is that we have different parts of the world um, where you have people starving uh, in, in places like Africa, for example, or Latin America. And those continents are are exporting grain to be fed to livestock in the developed world. And it's just completely crazy, but it's, it's right. a sad part of our world today. Yes. Well, and very often when I talk to people, they kind of act like, well, you know, really, what difference would it make, you know, 
you know, if I change, you know, if I, and I tell them, you know, like, I love Kathy Friston's book because she just, in fact, she um, defines a veganist as someone who looks closely at all the implications of their food choices and chooses to lean into a plant-based diet and that it's progress, not perfection. And I think just like with, with anything, you know, there was a time when you couldn't find organic vegetables in many, very many stores. And now, I mean, they even have organic, a whole section in Ralph's and Albertsons because people have voted with their dollars and said, we want, you know, we want better food. We want better choices. And so now they listen and, you know, now we have more, um, available to us and the same thing with things like this if we if you know we would reduce the amount of turkeys by 10 you know 10 20 percent this year not buy so many then that there might be a lot less produced next year you know to try to meet the demand and one of the things i love there in kathy's book here there's a, a little page here that talks about chew on this and and I love this because she says if if everyone went vegetarian for just one day, just one day, the U.S. would save 100 billion gallons of water. That's enough to supply all the homes in New England for almost four months. We would, we would yeah. save 1.5 billion pounds of crops otherwise fed to, fed to livestock. This is enough to feed the state of New Mexico for more than a year. We would save 70 million gallons of gas. 3 million acres of land and 33 tons of antibiotics. That's just one day, you know, and I thought, well, what if, you know, what if people just chose one day out of the week to not have meat, you know, that would be one seventh as much, you know, one seventh less suffering, one seventh less, you know. Yes. Yes. Well, there's a a program called the Meatless Mondays campaign, mm-hmm. and it is encouraging people to go meatless on Monday. And I right. think it's a very positive uh, project, and it's getting a lot of resonance, and people are recognizing that we need to reduce our consumption of animal foods, <laughs> if not completely eliminate them. And so, but what you said is completely true. If, if this year people buy fewer turkeys, um, that means that the market's going to shift in a direction where instead we're going to be eating things like tofurkey, and that's a, a, an alternative. And there are other alternatives. There are holiday roasts that a variety of different companies make specifically for the Thanksgiving holidays, so we can have that. And these right. are plant-based alternatives to the turkey dinner. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of really good things starting to happen in the marketplace now. Well, and I think the thing you know that I just like to ask people to do is to just think about, you know, there's that old joke about, you know, the grand, the granny, you know, and, and it's, they're getting ready to make the holiday meal and they get the roast and they cut off both the ends and they put it in the pan. And then finally one of the children says, how come every year we cut off both ends of the roast? And everybody says, I don't know. Well, I don't know. And finally granny says, well, that's because when we got the roast, they wouldn't fit in the pan. So we cut off the two ends. And so from then on and every generation of the family, they cut off two ends of the roast and discard it because that's what we've always done. And I feel like it's a, very often the same way with our food choices with regards to food that no longer serves us. It doesn't serve us uh, physically. The The meat that we get very often now is pumped full of antibiotics and hormones and all kinds of terrible thing. It, we're, we're ingesting food that's uh, from a, an animal that's had... a 
a very uh, sad and miserable life. Um, you know, so and and there, and we also have so many other choices. It's not like, well, we won't have turkey and we'll go hungry. That's absolutely right. There's so much we can eat, and you know, one thing too about these animals is they're fed drugs. The majority of the antibiotics produced in the United States are fed to farm animals right. to keep them alive in these brutal, cruel, filthy conditions. And the USDA actually explicitly allows diseased animals to be slaughtered and used for human food. So that's a whole other thing. So this is bad for the animals, and it's also hazardous for consumers. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that um, having these kinds, of, giving the, administering such large doses of antibiotics, I think are definitely, you know, creating breeding grounds for super bacteria. Absolutely. Superbugs that we're not that we might that might spread to humans, and we're not able to to cure with antibiotics anymore. Oh, it, this is already happening to some degree. You know. It, yep, that's definitely a, a big problem. There's these antibiotic resistant bacteria developing. Uh, the industry has known about this for years. Uh, they refer to these as emerging pathogens, new, more virulent strains of pathogens. And as you say, um, formerly life-saving drugs are starting to become useless now. And, um, and so this is a, a growing problem. And, and the big reason for it is the overuse and the indiscriminate use of right. these antibiotics and animal farming. And the reason they have to do that is because of the conditions under which that they keep these animals, you know, which is just, it's horrible, you know. It, it, it's just a horrible, horrible situation all around. So... Well, um, so Thanksgiving is coming. <clears throat> Could you tell us just a little bit more? We have a few minutes left. Tell us a little bit more about what Farm Sanctuary is doing and how people might get involved. Do you uh, Can people volunteer? Do you have different things going on in different parts of America where people can get involved just in, you know, wanting to raise awareness about uh, these issues? Yes, absolutely. We um, have an internship program where people can actually come and live on the farm and help take care of the animals. Mm -hmm. So we do that at all of our farms in New York and in California. We also do various events over the course of the year. People can check our website, which is farmsanctuary.org, mm -hmm. to learn more about that. You know, Of course, this time of year, we encourage people to adopt a turkey, and you can do that through our website or through the adoptaturkey.org website. And, and just spread the word about this. Share that information with other people. If you adopt a turkey and you get the picture of the turkey that we're taking care of, then share that with people. Bring it to work and uh, just educate people about the reality of factory farming and also about the fact that we can eat many plant-based alternatives that are much better and are also very tasty. You know, if you go to a Thanksgiving dinner or somewhere, um, bring a vegan item and share it and let people see how good it can be. Right, right. Um, I know, you know, well, day after tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and then we, you know, next holiday coming up is Christmas. And I know in my family the big thing was Thanksgiving was turkey and Christmas was ham. So then um, can you talk to us, tell us just a little bit about why we might not want to choose a pork on, you know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, it's, you know, <laughs> the pigs raised for meat in this country are horribly mistreated in these factory farms. Um, most of them begin their lives on, on these breeding farms where you have the mother pigs that live in these two-foot-wide metal enclosures for their whole lives, unable to walk or even turn around. They can only basically stand up and lay down. And so they give birth in one of these crates, and the piglets can nurse while the mother's laying down. The piglets can nurse through the bars. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're kept separate. And then the piglets are taken away after a couple of weeks. 
put in a, another factory farm enclosure and raised until uh, about six months old when they're killed. Um, and they live indoors on hard concrete floors. Uh, the air in these places is thick with bacteria and the stench of their excrement because it collects in these cesspools underneath them. And these animals breathe that in 24 hours a day. And, and then this manure and this waste then gets out into the environment. It gets into waterways. It pollutes the groundwater. It destroys rural communities. Um, you know, it's, it's an industry that's horrible. And then the animals suffer awfully. They have respiratory disease. Uh, they're stressed. Um, and then when they're slaughtered, that's also a bloody, violent mm-hmm. end to a short, miserable life. So, and the bottom line is we do not need to eat these animals. We can be healthy and have great, tasty food without killing other animals. Yes, thank you. I know uh, somebody recently said to me, oh, well, you know, you can even get salmonella poisoning from uh, lettuces and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, and but it turns out that all salmonella comes from um, animal sources. The only way that you're going to get salmonella poisoning from lettuce is because they used excrement from animals to to fertilize the lettuces. It's not right. it's not inherent in the in the vegetables themselves. That's so don't exactly don't try right. to tell me Sal- that that's Salmonella a case is for a fecal pathogen and yeah. lettuce does not poop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jean, thank you so much for being on today. Can you I'd like to keep us on a, a you know, a positive note. Yes, we can we can make some choices, maybe not this year, maybe even next year or maybe just as you go to your Thanksgiving dinner, think about it. Think about, you know, maybe you maybe next year we'll try it, you know, or this time try and imagine what it would be like if you ate all the other things that you're enjoying, but you just didn't have the tricky part. And just think, well, would I have really enjoyed this completely much less if I wouldn't have had that one little, you know, part of the dinner? And um, so, you know, what what can you give us to, as a, um, Jane Goodall would say, a reason for hope? Yeah, well, I think Thanksgiving is about being grateful and being mm-hmm. thankful for the food we have, for the company we have. And just enjoy good food. And, and that does not mean we have to eat meat. Right. So there's so many good things to celebrate and to focus on and to be grateful for. Yes. Well, Jean, thank you so very much. I hope someday I'll get to meet you. Um, I'm hoping to maybe take a field trip up to uh, the farm sanctuary farm sanctuary location up in Acton sometime. But uh, thank you very much, and thank you for taking time to go around um, to very many different places to lecture and help educate and inspire people. And thank you for all that you and all of the people, I know it takes a lot of uh, workers and volunteers to make these things happen on behalf of not only the animals and the planet, but also of ourselves, of for each other. So thank you so much for being who you are in the world. Well, well, thank you very much for, for your interest in these issues and for helping to educate people about them. And, you know, bit by bit, we're making some positive progress. And so I feel very lucky about that. Absolutely. It, well, was, it was great meeting you, uh, Jean. And I just wanted to tell you that you opened my eyes to a lot of uh, a lot of issues with our meat industry. And I'd, I'd definitely like to, you know, reconsider a lot of my, my eating habits. Wonderful. Well, thanks. That's great to hear. I love yeah. hearing that. Yes. Thank you so much, Jean. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. You too. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, 
Faisal, that was pretty cool. That was. And I wanted to say, as a meat eater myself, I was very impressed by the initiatives like Meat Mon- Meatless Mondays and Adopted Turkey that kind of appeal to people who who do eat meat yes. but are looking to – that are open-minded about become, about vegetarian options. I think that these initiatives will be much more successful than, than if you were cold turkey right. initiatives. That <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I, you know, I feel like there are some people that they're always going to want to have meat. But, you know, there's that wonderful book, um, the China study thing, and it showed like all these different areas, uh, like eight different areas where they have the most people that live to be over 100. And mm. a lot of them eat meat, but they don't eat that much, yeah. you know, and you don't actually need that much. If we just reduced you know, by a tenth or twentieth or, you know, by 50% how much meat we use and also how much gets, you know, just thrown out every day. I think about all the McDonald's and stuff that throws, you know, meat out every night. Um, that could make a big difference in our farming practices and in, you know, the proliferation of some of the, you know, the misuses and the mi- abuses of, of the industry. Ideally, I'd like to treat meat as a, as a luxury, something you reward yes. your, I mean, for me to reward myself with maybe once or twice a week, not necessarily every day and not, and definitely not multiple times a day. Like so many of us Americans do. Yes. Well, and I think then when we have it like things like that, um, cause I went off wine for this week to be in, so, <laughs> to identify with their trees. I know that sounds weird, but for an elf to not have, you know, my little glass of wine at night, that was every time I was like, Oh, you know, I really could after my hard day at work, I could use it. It's like, no. And I would think about the trees and say a little prayer, and it has been it has been really good. But then, when you have something like that, you're so much more grateful for it, mm-hmm. you know. And you're really kind of savoring it, and it's like, wow, you know. Whereas if you're just chowing it down all the time without even thinking about it, you know. Like I was saying earlier, you definitely appreciate the sacrifice, the great the great sacrifice that animals make. For and us. the cycle of life, you know. Mm-hmm. That's because there are carnivores, and there are you know, it is a cycle of life, but it's gotten way out of balance, I yeah. think. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. We're going to have to uh, switch over to the next hour. I don't know if you'll be able to stick around, but could you tell me real quick, because you're in the uh, KUCI training right now. We have training every quarter for for UCI student staff and faculty to train and have a radio show um, here right at uh, UCI. Are you thinking of having a music show or a, a talk a PA show? PA show, actually. Oh, yeah. you ha- I was going to say, I hope you have a PA show because you have a great voice. Oh, thanks. And uh, I, yeah, but uh, yeah, do you have a topic? Um, in yes, mind? Um, actually, it's going to be about uh, healthcare, about um, politics, science. Probably, it's uh, it's going to cover quite a diversity of topics. Um, but actually, I, I did want to say in the um, in the initial when I when I hopefully first start the show. Um, next uh, next spring quarter um i have a team of um of other students and i who are participating in a national national uh, competition uh we're representing uci in this competition to raise um campus awareness about our nation's debt and oh. um i'd like to use the uh, my radio program as an outlet of um informing people about the debt and bringing on guests uh, having discussions and also we're planning to do uh, a game show Oh, great. You know, we need to learn how to be better stewards, not only of our resources and food, but of our money and of our national money, you know, the collective money of America. So Mm -hmm. thank you. That'll be great. So um, actually, if you're going to be on next quarter, it's going to be the winter quarter, just so you know. We're actually in the fall quarter now, so people don't wait for the spring. But also, um, I just want to say real quickly, too, do you have any idea kind of what your show might be named, what you're thinking of, just so people might be looking for it? 
I did have an idea. It was based off, it was based off of one of um, one of uh, Freud's books, uh, um, "Civilization and Its Discontents." I was going to call it uh, the the deficit and its discontents. Ah, okay. Um, well, once you have your show, you know, because we apply for our show, we got to get approved and do all those wonderful things, which is good. I don't think you're really going to have a problem. Let me know because when uh, I always a lot of times on the first week of the quarter, I like to let people know about the new shows that are starting and let them know what time slot that they're in. Mm-hmm. So, will you let me know when your show is? Definitely, and- I will. And actually, I don't. I, that's just a tentative name. It doesn't sound very game show like, so I'm probably going to change it. But I'll, I'll definitely let you know, and I appreciate you getting the word out. Yeah, Denton Jeopardy or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Debt trivia. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the Thanks show Thanks for today. having me. I loved it. And this is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. I am Tani Tanuviel, and this is wrapping it up for What Would Arwen Do? Please send, in, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Askanelf at yahoo.com. I'm very sorry. I forgot to say hello to my friends who are listening, both online and through the internet. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you'll stay with me for the next hour because we're going to enjoy some nice Hobbit music and some little readings and um, just wonderful things in celebration of the holidays. Please be safe. Drive carefully. Please be kind to people in parking lots. You know, a little grace goes a really long ways. And uh, be safe, and I will see you next Tuesday. And until then, Alin Salalumin Amintilvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And until then, Namaria, let's hear a little Hobbit music. This from the Hobbit soundtrack from Howard Shore, which is always amazing to me. This is Under Hill, QCI in Irvine.